With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Staple Show Wednesday night. Shout at Buffalo Bills football podcast is back in your life, and it is shout. I'm feeling the vibes. Looking in your background there, Mr. Ryan Talbot. A little new piece to the to the backdrop. What do you got going on there? Yeah, I went to the Buffalo store on uh, Saturday before our podcast, and uh, they have an artist that makes a different poster for every game, and I saw the one for Kansas City. It just said "shout on." I'm like, "Oh, that is absolutely perfect for the pod." So I went and I picked one up. Uh, the store was jam packed, mind you. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander was there doing his signing, but beautiful store. Great to get in there and uh, pick up that poster, add it to the backdrop, along with my little personalized Funko Pop. That's awesome. Yeah, it's got a little uh, cell phone in its hand, right? Yes. Is that the kids that put that together? Uh, Joel actually, yeah. Put it ah, together. okay. All right. I thought that would have been Owen's handiwork, but all right, Joel, very nice. Um, this shout out as always is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, and right now you head over to Tops and you can check out their mega meat sale, mix or match from over thirty-five different cuts. Uh, butcher recommended healthy rep- recipes and cooking tips you can find over at topsmarkets.com slash real butchers. Uh, buy one, get one free of equal or lesser value. Check out some of these uh, deals, Ryan. Uh, fresh 85% lean ground beef, uh, boneless pork chops, extra large uncooked easy peel shrimp, uh, Sugardale prestige smoked ham steak. Buy one, get one free. Then they have the uh, $7.99 a pound, pound for the Butterbilt butterball turkey breast uh bakery fresh rye bread for $3.99 and get yourself some Campbell's chunky soup for just $2.29 a can the deals over at tops they are plenty right now how are you doing my friend I mean we got a uh got a big week right like a little football to be played this weekend absolutely and shout out rye bread love me some rye bread I'm glad you gave that in the read there Mr. Perino uh love I love some, some rye bread, bread. I'm right oh, there with yeah. you like me oh, and you dude like we're just on the same wavelength a lot of times. And as a matter of fact, we went out to breakfast last Friday and um, I think I ordered rye bread or I I don't know if I ordered it, but they brought it out. And it's like one of those things that like, 
you forget how much you like it until you order it because you don't have it very often. Right. Absolutely. Something like that. And my, you know, my mom's a big rye bread in the household type of lady. So when we go and visit, I usually toast a piece, a little butter on it. Perfection. Perfection. Uh, shout out to David uh, Trelizio in the comments here. And if you, you saw the show last Saturday, David came all the way from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, he was coming for the game, obviously, but came out to our event at Wingnuts. Had us some custom-made shirts with what I think is going to be uh, the inspiration for our new logo uh, for the show. It was really cool. we got to connect with David uh, off the air here and, and get that all figured out. David, you're awesome. Thank you, everybody, who's tuning in. we got a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to go about 40 minutes tonight. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, linking up with Marcel Louis-Jacques to get you a view from the Miami side. Uh, then we'll have the preview show on Friday. All right, let's get into Josh Allen because it was interesting, Ryan. We got to the injury report today, and not only was the neck on there, which we knew was going to be on there, and he was a full participant in a walkthrough practice today. He said he's good to go. I don't think it's a very big deal necessarily, but there's a right finger designation on the injury report and there's a video now circulating if you were watching the broadcast on sunday it was a third and five play at the end of the first quarter he seemed to hit his hand on the helmet uh, of a of a rushing uh patriots defender kind of like shook it off a little bit uh worked it out for a moment that the camera saw the broadcast didn't really comment on it he comes off the field and then obviously you know, didn't throw it well. And that's the one thing that he has said consistently after the game. And then again today, he just felt like he wasn't throwing it well on Sunday. And you have to wonder how much was that hand issue, whatever that finger issue was, how much was that playing into it? Considering how far off the mark he was at times in the first half, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was part of the problem in terms of why he wasn't throwing a good football uh, why some of the passes were behind the players, too low to the ground, just too far off uh, or off the mark, even on those deep passes to uh, like the one to Stefan Diggs. But you're hoping that as the game went on, it, it did feel a little bit better. And that would also make sense in terms of why he was throwing the football better in, in the second half and uh, throwing the deep ball that he connected with Dalton Kincaid on and some of the passes that he made with Khalil Shakir, 18 yard gain, 11 yard gain uh, here and there. So hopefully, you know, if that was the cause, he was able to kind of work it out throughout the game. It's concerning, though. It's definitely something whenever a new injury pops up on the injury report going into what is almost, and we'll know by Sunday night if it's a must-win game or not in terms of their playoff hopes. But in, in such a big game, it's worrisome when you see a new injury pop up. Um, I asked uh, Josh today about, you know, things took off so quickly with Joe Brady. Uh, I was curious as to – What's it been like the last couple of weeks as the offense is kind of, yeah, I don't want to say come to a, like, you know, staggered to a standstill, but it, it's definitely in the passing game. It's been more difficult. Like this is a team that over the course of the first, whatever amount of games of the season, they're well over 200 yards passing per game over the last four. And of course there's that Dallas game there, which brings it way down with the 89 yards passing, but they haven't been over 230 yards passing in a game in the last four. Now they've won all of those four games. Um, so I asked about, all right, what have those conversations been like with Joe Brady? Because at the beginning, everything was all flowery. I mean, they were scoring over 30 points a game against the Eagles uh, and then that uh, the, yeah. the Jets. Uh, so there's two pretty good defenses that they went out there and found a way to, to score points. And it hasn't been the same the last couple of weeks. And so instead of taking us inside those conversations, 
he quickly pivoted to, I got to be better. There's no doubt about that. I got to throw better, got to find the open guys sooner and give them chances to run after the catch. It's really uh, what it comes down to is just Joe having confidence and calling a play and us having confidence going out there and executing it. And to me, the best way to do that, especially if you're you're playing so much out of shotgun, there's got to be more easy buttons somewhere. You know, whether that be James Cook, when and I'm going to be talking about this quite a bit over the next two days. This, to me, is setting up to be the James Cook game, and we'll get to that mm-hmm. on Friday. But that, to me, is where, you know, the ball's got to come out of your hands sooner. You can't let the Miami Dolphins down Jalen Phillips, down um, Bradley Chubb, find a way to generate that kind of pressure that we saw in the Patriots game that I think really affected Josh in that game. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. This does feel like it could be a James Cook type of matchup. Uh, I also think this is a matchup where you might see Josh Allen under center more, Matt. And the reason being is play action. Miami is, you know, their defense struggles against play action. Lamar Jackson absolutely shredded them this past week when they utilized play action. Uh, I believe he had three touchdown passes last week against Miami, just using that specific, you know, type of play. And it's something that they've struggled against all year. So if you can get James Cook going, and then utilize the play action and hit some intermediate deep balls, uh, really tire out this defense or really stress this defense out in terms of the Bills can hurt you on the ground, they can hurt you through the air, that could lead to really good things on Sunday Night Football. Um, A big talking point, too, and I want to get into the injury report for the Dolphins because I think that's something that we're going to be watching here over the next couple of days. Uh, Talk a little bit about Tyreek Hill, too. I think Anthony Croce brings up a great point. Uh, when Josh did hit throws to the wide receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, uh, they were dropping them. He didn't hit often, but there were several drops as well. I think I counted on PFF three drops in that game, which I think is a completely fair point and a good observation. And something that I think, you know, the Latavius Murray one to me is one where you got to put a b- better personnel on the field in those spots. When you know it's going to be a passing play, like – Listen, Latavius Murray, he's been reliable, but I just think that there are better options uh, in the passing game. Um, and, and you're right. like They got to make catches when they're there to be made. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Stefan Diggs because this has been you know, one of the biggest storylines of the week is we are on the heels now of basically two months of football where Stefan Diggs has been – I don't want to say a non-factor because as Dawson Knox said today, when I think it's very true, he does so much for everybody else in that offense, because no matter what teams still have to prepare to try to stop him. Um, But I do think with the way that this is all gone over the last couple of weeks, there's definitely feels like there's something going on with Stefan Diggs, whether it be an injury, whether it be, you know, wanting to keep him fresh for the playoffs that could definitely be in play here. But, you know, Joe Brady, Brady said, um, you know, there's, there's times in the game where that they've wanted to give Steph a break, give him a blow. There's times he calls himself out of the game. And then Sean McDermott said that there's, personnel packages that they want to, you know, get into. And you didn't see him on that entire drive coming out of halftime against the Patriots. Um, I'm curious to see what it looks like with the season on the line, everything to be gained by getting the number two seed on Sunday night. If we don't see Stefan Diggs out there for, if not the entire game, a good majority of the snaps. 
Yeah, and, and it's funny because early in the season, there was a lot of talk about Josh Allen almost trying to force it to Stefan Diggs at times, and uh, the fact that other players weren't getting involved, and now it's the exact opposite. There are games where others are getting involved, but we've not seen Stefan Diggs enough over the last you know five-plus weeks. His stats are down. In some games, the targets are still there in terms of being double-digit targets, but that connection has not been right. And last week especially, we were sitting in the press box, and third down plays, he wasn't on the field. There was Early in the game, it was a second and a third down play, and he was just kind of walking back and forth, like near the sideline, back, walking back again. It's like, this is your number one receiver. Why is he not out there on the field? So especially when the offense wasn't clicking early on, you want to get your playmakers out there. Hopefully the Bills truly do have a plan, and maybe it is having him on a pitch count, trying to keep him fresh for the playoffs, where you know the last few years in the playoffs, it does feel like he's hit a wall at times, uh, partially because of the way the teams are covering him, partially because of he, he might just be running out of gas late in the year. So whatever the case may be, the Bills do have to look, though, at this Dolphins game as another playoff game. And I know Josh Allen and the offense have been saying for the last month every game has been a playoff game, but... I mean, this might truly be it in terms of win and get in, depending on what we find out on Saturday and earlier on Sunday before that Sunday night football matchup. You know, you bring up a great point about the the targets kind of like fluctuating over the course of the season. And just, you know, pulling up his season is a really interesting exercise because I go back to the last time that he really was in a stretch of games, four straight games with double-digit um, targets. It was the Jacksonville game, the Giants game, the Patriots game, and the Tampa game. 11, 16, 12, and 12 targets. Uh, the Bills went 2-2 two and two in those games, obviously. And the big game, the 16-target game, which was the most he had in a game this year, 10 for 100 in the Giants game. And I think you can make an argument that was one of the, the worst offensive performances by the Bills this season. So I don't know how much you know Joe Brady or the Bills as an offense have looked at that model of force feeding digs and maybe understanding that that isn't the way that they're going to be a successful offense in that they are able to score a lot of points. If it happens naturally in a game, sure, go after it, but it doesn't seem like they're comfortable seeking it out, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Like, I don't think they should be forcing it to Stefan Diggs come hell or high water. I don't think that's a way to operate either. And it's just about finding the happy medium. And it's interesting too. He ended up with, Seven targets in this last game, right? Four for 26. It looks horrible, right? If Josh Allen hits him on that deep pass, that's five catches on seven targets for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And we're having a completely different conversation today. And that wasn't on Stephon Diggs. That was on Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, while they don't want to force it to Diggs, if there is a big moment in the game, it, it still feels like they're trying to get him involved. There was a big third down play against the Chargers two weeks ago. He catches the ball. He moves the chains late to help them seal and win the game. Uh, There are some big plays against Dallas and and other games where the stat sheet itself is not getting filled, but in a big-time moment, in a a time where the Bills had to have a a play to keep a drive going or to run out the clock, he is still the guy that Josh is looking to, and their connection has still been you know, on more times than off in those got-to-have-it situations. So. You're hoping that against Miami and, and, you know, an interesting Miami matchup with Xavier Howard, probably you would assume being out of this game, Uh, you know, having Jalen Ramsey lined up on him, what that's going to look like. They've had some battles over the years. But what does that mean for the other pass catchers? What does it mean for Gabe Davis? Is it Eli Apple? 
Uh, what does it mean for Khalil Shakir? Probably, uh, you know, getting utilized in the slot, Dalton Kincaid and company. These other guys have been getting, you know, steady workloads, maybe not Gabe Davis, but the others. And this is another opportunity for them to step up against a Cater Kohu who really struggled against Diggs in that first matchup, for instance, in the slot. So, a lot of interesting things are going to unfold here on Sunday night. Uh, this is Josh was asked specifically about this with Stefan Diggs today um, because Joe Brady said on Monday that, you know, it's a point of emphasis to get Stefan Diggs involved more, right? Or that, you know, just even him as a weapon should be a point of emphasis for this offense. And so why are Diggs' numbers down? Josh was asked about this. He said, I think sometimes the flow of the game dictates that defenses whether it's doubling him or throwing a safety over him or being the first read in progressions and just getting off of it maybe too quickly and so that's where he's putting it on himself there's a lot of stuff that goes into it but again we're looking forward to working hard and fixing it uh to win football games he's been fantastic Steph Diggs he's been a true professional about it there's times where he wants the ball and deservedly so he's one of the best if not the best receivers in the game he gets a lot of attention from deep defenses. So sometimes it's just how it plays out, but I got to be better in that aspect too. And, you know, sometimes I think we spend a lot of time talking about the coordinator and that's fair. Like there should be criticism on how the team is set up to have success, but a lot of it comes down to two. And sometimes maybe he gets a little bit of a pass because of how special he is. Josh Allen being able to navigate all of it. You know, we're talking about a quarterback in year six here. We're not talking about 2020 Josh Allen or 2021 Josh Allen. He's been through the ebbs and flows of it all and the seasons and the experience and the good and the bad and the highs and the lows. Like he's got to find a way to make that throw to Diggs in that big time moment or set him up, you know, earlier in a game, especially in those scripted plays. Like I put it just as much on Josh as I do on, on Joe Brady to come out and have a scripted drive on Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins that incorporates Stefan Diggs, but then also moves the ball down the field in an effective manner. To your point, I think being under center will help the run game get going more. And I think that's what can keep a defensive line at bay more is if you come out and immediately show that you're not going to be able to stop the running game in the game. Yeah, absolutely. The last matchup did start as a shootout. I know the Bills really pulled away and won it 48-20. to 20. But both teams scored touchdowns on their opening drives uh, and then and their second drives as well. 14-14 looked like it was going to be one of those last-to-have-the-ball type of games is going to win, and then the Bills' defense really did settle in. The offense kept going. But that run game was not the same in Week 4 as it is now in terms of the the way that Buffalo has been able to utilize it with a little bit more success underneath Joe Brady. And, uh, you know, we'll save it for Friday, but James Cook uh, potentially getting a lot more opportunities in this match than he did in that first game. And maybe this is a Leonard Fournette game getting called up. We really like what we see from Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson's stat line at the end of last week's game against New England was nothing special. Uh, but, you know, I almost wanted to put him in the encouraged article alone because on that final drive where the Bills were running out the clock with five-plus minutes to go, they gave him a carry late where he went to the right side of the field, and instead of going out of bounds, he made sure to stay in to keep the clock running. He picked up about six yards on the play, had some big runs when given the opportunity, and he's really shown some good bursts. So this run game for Buffalo is night and day from where it was in their first matchup. And I think it can really be an asset to them in the, in this must-win game. 
One thing I was really mad that I didn't ask Joe Brady about on Monday was uh, whether or not he's considering dumping the bubble screens out of the <laughs> uh, playbook because they've not been great. And uh, Sheila, in the comments, Sheila Atkins uh, said that she really liked the um, run by Stefan Diggs when he lined up in the backfield, yeah. which I agree. I think you can get creative with that look in the past game too. Like, Run a little RPO action and get the ball out to him quick. Did you see? Were you watching the um, Michigan Alabama game the other night? Yes. yes there was, was a play at the end of regulation where McCarthy, uh, really quick, ran an RPO uh, to the um, to the running back. So it wouldn't actually work perfectly like this, but he had that one receiver, which I think would act as the Shakir in the in the Bills set running on a jet sweep, and as soon as he, and he faked the handoff, the ball was out of his hands. It was an easy touchdown. you got to get creative with the way that you utilize and deploy your personnel and try to get a – and listen, I'll, I'll give Brady credit. There's been some plays that I've been really impressed with on that in that department, but you could do a lot of special things with digs. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And shout-out to Chris here with saying watching at UPS in uh, St. Pete, Florida. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in, everyone that's uh, – not here in Western New York, just all over the place because the Bills Mafia is everywhere. Uh, really do. And, like, dude, delivering packages, listen to some right. Bills talk. I mean, talk about a premier Wednesday night right there. Absolutely. You can't beat that. Uh, one thing about the bubble screen, and I know it has not been overly effective, but we did see the Bills, you know, run the same type of play a few times in a game, bubble screens, and they didn't look like much. But then – it, when teams got used to seeing it or what they thought they were going to see, that's when you had like James Cook go down the middle of the field for a, a big touchdown reception in another matchup. And sometimes you're doing it to set up another play later on. You're hoping, though, that if the Bills do keep running the bubble screens. They do have some success, but it, it seems like they can't get their blocks uh, in in front of the player that's catching the ball. There's drop issues. It, it, I understand the fans saying take it out of the playbook. Uh, but sometimes I think Joe Brady is also trying to set up something for the next drive or later in the game, get teams used to seeing uh, one thing and then doing something different. A lot of people watching on Twitter these days, right? Yeah. X, I should call it. Uh, we really appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, what, what, what are we uh, rolling with here? Let me bring up the old YouTube feed. I want to. I want to hold you all accountable. You're you're all wonderful. I got to shout you out, but I do say we got to get these likes up. We're at 40 likes, almost 250 watching live on YouTube right now. But I have to stop for a moment and say thank you. We should have led with this. Mm-hmm. Over 10,000 subscribers on the Shout YouTube channel. We cannot thank you enough. We just did our year in review, Ryan. We got our little uh, little card that comes at the end of each year in the analytics page. Over 1 million views on all of our episodes of Shout this year. Blown away, man. Like the support on this platform from the time we launched this show has been just absolutely sensational. Yeah, whether you know whether you do listen just to the uh, typical podcasts and, and don't watch the video form or now you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you know, those of you at YouTube, we are blown away by the numbers. Uh, started out this channel just a few years ago from scratch having over a million viewers watching uh, us live every week or watching replays of it. We cannot thank you enough. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. 
It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Uh, speaking of can't thank you enough, we can't thank Carrie C. Byer, uh, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. He is the official sponsor of the Shout text line. Uh, you become you could become a Shout insider by texting 716-528-6727. Get yourself a two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give Carrie C. Buyer a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. Wild scene on Twitter today, Ryan, as the video footage uh, went viral of Tyreek Hill's house uh, catching fire in South Florida. He ends up having to leave practice. Thankfully, nobody was injured in the situation. He had family members at the house. Um, it, it apparently seems that uh, the, the fire was basically contained to one or two rooms in the house, according to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. So that is great news. But a couple of things that uh, you know, I take away from the thing. Number one, what a crazy thing to have to deal with in the middle of a game week for the biggest game of your season with a division on the line, just all the, just, you know, we've all been there, right? Like you're at work and something big happens at home and, you know, maybe someone's sick or maybe uh, something happens. Like maybe you have a flood in the basement or your some pump backs up for all of us here in Western New York. I'm sure everybody's probably experienced something, something like that, or talked to somebody that has, you know, it just, it throws a wrench in your week a little bit. There's so much, moving parts that you have to do. And then not only that, like, does he have to deal with this? He's got a walking boot on his foot, uh, the injured foot where he's been dealing with that ankle the last couple of weeks. Now he played and looked as fast as ever last week. So it's something that you probably figure he is just um, trying to like mitigate, like, you know, walking around, doesn't want to like irritate it or, 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 you know, whatever, but man, that, that was something to see him walking around in the walking boot in those photos. Yeah, and again, first and foremost, thank goodness everyone was okay in this family. There were people that were at the house when the fire had started. Uh, all, definitely a positive that everyone was able to get out and everyone was okay. But the walking boot was definitely a talking point on social media. I had a lot of people uh, comment to me on Twitter and, and on the you know Shout Insider text line and uh, see if we pointed it out. And you're right, it's probably just to mitigate this ankle injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, but it also shows you how serious it is. Yes, he's being, been able to kind of gut through it, play through it, but it's something that's lingering. And it's probably something that's going to be lingering throughout the playoffs because I highly doubt that they, uh, you know, limit him this week against Buffalo considering the stakes. Uh, unless it gets out of hand one way or the other, he's probably playing the majority of the reps. So that's a big-time injury for Miami because 
while they can win without him, they they showed that against, uh, mind you, it was the Jets. Uh, they showed that they can win without him. He is a focal point. He is what really makes that offense go. And when he isn't at his best is when that unit usually struggles. Um, there's a ton of people limited uh, and a ton of people um, did not practice. So let's go through this list here. So I'll get to these two in a second, but the limited ankle Duke Riley, who, by the way, I don't think the Patriots or the um, Dolphins would be in a bad spot if old Duke can't play because he had a <laughs> rough game last week against the Ravens. Yeah, David Long at linebackers got a knee. He was limited. Austin Jackson, oblique, limited. Robert Hunt, hamstring. He's still trying to work his way back. Javon Holland, who made some comments today. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, he's get, dealing with a knee. Ankle for Hill. Eichenberg with a calf. Cotton with a hip. Baker with a knee. Devon Achan, toe and ribs. All limited. Then you have the did not practices. Ankle, Jalen Waddle. Zach Seiler, illness. So he's dealing with something midweek. One of their best their best remaining Wait, defensive yeah. linemen. Or maybe it's Christian Wilkins, but he's in the conversation. Raheem Moster, knee, didn't practice. Xavier Howard Foot, who all indications are he's not going to play. Bradley Chubb, obviously. And then Teron Armstead, knee, ankle, back. I mean, at 38 years old, there's, you yeah. know, it's a laundry list for Teron Armstead. So look at that injury report, Ryan. And this is a Dolphins team that is in a really, really bad spot. Yeah, a very bad spot injury-wise. And Armstead has been someone that's been on their injury report throughout the year. And generally, it's multiple parts of the body like it is their knee, ankle, back. Uh, Javon Holland, as talented as he is, he's been on there multiple weeks with knees, plural. Uh, he's, you know, last week was the first time he, I believe, played in quite some time in that Ravens game. Uh, and, and it's a very concerning injury for a guy that's not, you know, he, he's it's not like he's uh, Armstead's age or anything like that. But when you start dealing with injuries to both of your knees, that does not bode well for you when you are a defensive back. Uh, Moster, knee and ankle. And then you also have Achain, who speedy guy, can hurt you in many ways. Could still hurt the Bills if he plays on, on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. That was the big knock on him coming into the NFL draft is could he stay healthy in this league? And, you know, he's been banged up three or four times already this year, Matt. He's missed some time. He's been limited in games. He's exited games. Uh, it, it's definitely something where he's been going through it all season long. And, ooh, we got a little little news here, Matt, live on the podcast. Well, why don't you drop Bills, it because I don't have it up. Bill's Pro Bowlers, James ah, nice. Cook and Deion Dawkins have both been selected to the Pro Bowl. So James Cook, uh, yep, yeah, first alternate, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Second alternate, Mitch Morris and Leonard Floyd, who I thought deserved uh, you know, a, a Pro Bowl nod. Oh, uh, Dalton, way too late for Ed yeah. Oliver. Yeah, way too late. Dalton Kincaid and Ed Oliver, third alternate. And then fifth alternate, Dawson Knox, which, sure. Um, there's not a lot of tight ends. They, they got to send somebody. They, they got to send, send somebody. somebody. No, I'll, no, no, no disrespect to Dawson Knox. I'm just joking. No, no, no. But, um, but, but the numbers just aren't there this year. No, absolutely not. But, yeah, no, I agree. Way too low on Ed Oliver. He got uh, snubbed big time. Uh, but, you know, congratulations to James Cook. Outstanding second season. Uh, Deion Dawkins really deserves it. You know who I'm surprised isn't on here as, a, as an Look alternate? Spencer, oh, Spencer Brown, too, I was going to say. Yeah, I thought Spencer Brown really put together a phenomenal year in a prove-it year for this team. 
Um, I thought he's been outstanding. So there you have it. Two players named to the Pro Bowl. No, I think James Cook is if – if you're taking everybody, right, like in a pot, like – I think he definitely needed to be uh, an original Pro Bowl selection, like first team. Like he's third in the NFL in all-purpose yards. And when you're mentioned in the same breath with Tyreek Hill, uh, C.D. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, and maybe he's down below a lamb now, I don't know. Um, But either way, he has just been outstanding. He's been one of the best all-purpose, multi-talented running backs in the league this season. And that's a really cool honor for him. And then Dawkins, I mean, this has been his season, man. This has been the one that, Everybody was expecting last year, and what happened was they changed offensive line coaches, and he had to learn a completely new way to play the position, and what he's done is bounce back to it this year. I would have really liked to have seen Ed Oliver get rewarded uh, for what's, you know, what is he, a half sack away from 10? I mean, that is a huge jump. And what he's meant and the, you know, it's funny. I was looking at his PFF grades. He doesn't grade out on PFF as high as you would think watching him game to game and what he's meant to their defense, um, which I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about. I mean, if you look at their defensive grades on the bills for PFF, number one is Tyrell Dotson, 87.9 overall grade. Daquan Jones, 87.8. Greg Rousseau, 85.2. Rasul Douglas, 82.7. AJ Epinesa, 81.7. Taron Johnson, 80.2. Uh, Cam Lewis, Christian Benford, and you got to go all the way down to Ed Oliver at number 14. Now, Trey White's in there. Deontay Hardy, I guess, had a defensive snap. Must have been on a Hail Mary. Uh, Milano's in there. Um, Oliver with a 65.9. His run defense is graded at 53.8, and his pass rush is only 73.9. He has 62 total pressures on the season, which leads all Bills players. 51 for Greg Rousseau is number two. He's got uh, – it says 11 sacks on here. Is he over 10 sacks? No, PFF grades it differently. Okay. And then uh, 45 quarterback hurries. And, you know, so I think he's had a better season than these grades indicate, and that's why I think it's important to always remember take these with a grain of salt. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, you know, you look and there's some interesting choices. Taron Armstead, Raheem Mostert deserves it, obviously. Alec Ingold. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, who missed a good chunk of the year, Tyreek Hill and Tua, all named to the Pro Bowl. So, you know, sometimes it is just kind of uh, the the popularity vote comes in and then you have the player vote too. Um, Definitely some guys, though, got snubbed. Ed Oliver, Terrell Bernard, who someone mentioned here in the chat, probably deserves some love as an alternate as well and didn't get it. So it is what it is. At the end of the day, the Bills would much rather be uh, in the playoffs, making a deep run and not being able, not having to worry about the Pro Bowl at all. Justin Matabuike, Quinnen Williams, Chris Jones, and Aaron Donald. I mean, really the class of the interior defensive line in the NFL. Those are the only four defensive tackles in the league with more pressures than Ed Oliver this season. So, yeah. I mean, that just goes to show you how impactful he's been. Um, and he's lived up to, I mean, he's been worth every single darn penny that Brandon Bean gave him and more. And man, does that deal look better and better as we go? Greg Schellinger asked this and somebody else asked in the comments too. And that's why I brought it in. Is it possible that the bill or the Dolphins sit their starters this week since they're in uh, the playoffs anyway? None. When the number two seed is on the line, Ryan, like, could you imagine being Mike McDaniel 
and walking into that locker room and telling them, you know what, we're just going to kick our feet back. We're good with the six seed. We'll go on the road for the playoffs. Let's not worry about it. No, no chance. No, I, I will say this. If it's a player like Mostert, for instance, who knee isn't feeling right, yeah, you might say, okay, I want to get this guy healthy for the playoffs. If it's an injury-related play, uh, or related to an injury, excuse me, yes, that's possible. But no, they're not. They're not going to be pulling their starters uh, or key players that are healthy um, in, in this game because, like you said, two seeds on the line. I mean, being able to host potentially two, if not three, playoff games because you never know the Ravens could get knocked out before the championship. Uh, that's, that's big time. And any team would want to have that home field advantage. So Miami's going to give it their all, but yes, in, unless you're talking about a player that is injured and doesn't practice throughout the week, they're not going to hold anyone out or hold anyone back. The other thing on the injury report I wanted to quickly get to for the dolphins is Tua, who, you know, said all the right things today, but I mean, that left shoulder injury is substantial. Like that's a substantial thing to monitor. You know, if he's listed on the injury report for it, he came out of the game because of it. It's something that like, uh, I think until he goes out there and, and you see a couple throws where it looks good, it looks right. And that's something that I'm monitoring and I'm aware of if I'm Eric Washington and Sean McDermott and members of that defensive line and, you know, whoever's going to be rushing the quarterback on, on Sunday. And even if it looks right early on and it just takes one shot for it to all of a sudden hurt again or the soreness to come back or just simply throwing the ball, that's his throwing arm. Uh, throwing some accurate passes early on could lead to some more soreness, and then that could lead to a few passes that get airmailed and intercepted or that are off the mark. Uh, shoulder injuries, as we know, in, in Buffalo, to your quarterbacks, it, it's something serious. It's something that you have to monitor. Um, regular season record. Tua Tungaviola versus the Bills. One and five, five touchdowns, five interceptions, 79.6 quarterback rating. Josh Allen versus Miami, regular season. Nine and two, 31 touchdowns, five interceptions, 110.8 quarterback rating. Uh, and those numbers are courtesy of our, our friend Joe Shad, uh, who I was surprised tweeted that because that is definitely yeah. not on brand. Now, maybe he's trying to give the Dolphins some bulletin board material and getting them hyped up because you're right. Usually it is a very pro-Dolphins account. Uh, where do you want to go next to finish this thing off? Um, because I don't want to get too far into that game, Matt, uh, in terms of Friday's preview yeah, show. What's the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick? Uh, I was trying to follow some comments here. Some good stuff in the comments tonight, everybody. I really uh, – uh, I think Nikki G here, this is a really uh, important point. Aaron Cromer produces 1,000-yard rushers in his sleep. Josh Allen finally has a really running back behind him. And it, it's so true. I mean, go back to those Todd Gurley years uh, in, in L.A. Uh, before things kind of pivoted a little bit, um, you know, when they, when they went to the Super Bowl, was on the other side. Gurley had gone to uh, Atlanta, I believe. Uh, but in his – the last years of his prime – you know, people talk about Cromer's ability to really develop run blockers. And I think even, you know, what's another indication of how important Cromer's been to them is how good in some games Connor McGovern has been in the run game. That's something that he was supposed to be, he was known for not being good in the run game. And he's had some games where I thought he looked really good in the run game. Yeah. Yeah. Cromer's been great. And again, adjusting from year one to year two uh, has really paid big dividends for this team. And, 
you know, that's probably what should excite you if you're a Bills fan. If you, you don't want to look ahead yet to next season, but you think of Osiris Torrance in year two of his system and, and getting a whole offseason to work on his body and his frame and Connor McGovern in year two of Aaron Cromer's system, uh, a veteran who already knows, you know, what to do in the offseason, mind you, but will have more experience and feel more, more comfortable. And you have the tackles who have gotten better. You still have Mitch Morrison. No, maybe you want to add some more depth to that unit, but you have so much talent there. And realistically, you're thinking they're going to take another step forward next season. Um, really clean injury report for the Bills. I mean, Leonard Floyd uh, did not practice with a rib injury, but he also was gone on a vet rest day. So he's probably going to be out there tomorrow, I'd imagine, in full. Von Miller, vet rest. Um not sure why he needed that, though. He didn't play on Sunday, but, you know, it's part of the process. I get it. Uh, just joking. I thought there was a couple funny comments on that um, the last uh, two or three hours. Um, DeMar Hamlin, shoulder limited. Micah Hyde, neck limited. I think they're just kind of watching that. Expect Hyde to be okay for this weekend. And then, uh, you know, another big storyline today, and this is something people have been talking about for weeks now, Justin Shorter. Uh yeah. His 21-day practice window closed. Uh, he was put on IR back in August with the hamstring injury. You know, it felt like the Marquez Stevenson plan, which, by the way, I've been wrong about all these weeks, Ryan, and you never corrected me. You should have just dunked on me. Stevenson actually did come back in week 14 um, hmm. of his rookie season. Remember, he was the punt returner when they benched yeah. Isaiah McKenzie. And so he got uh, five or six games. Do you know he went his entire Bills career before they cut him the next season? Never had a single catch in a game. Unbelievable. Uh, former six-round pick. Um, the thing with Shorter is they don't activate him, which means his season's over. Once that 21-day window closes and you don't bring that player to the three-man roster, it's done. You can't bring them on. They're going to be on IR for the rest of the, the year. Um, I don't think it's a huge surprise because I don't know who you're taking out to put in. And I know a lot of fans are like, well, Trent Sherfield's been terrible. And listen, from a receiver perspective, he's got 62 yards receiving on the season. Not what I think anybody thought when they brought him in, especially when you go back to the training camp and hearing Josh talk about him and Brandon talk about him and Sean. And so you expected more out of him, and I get it. But he's a big part of their run game. And you talk about James Cook going to the Pro Bowl. A lot of what they've figured out here is not only in the sets when Gabe Davis and um, Trent Sherfield are out there together, but also when they can give Davis a blow and have Trent Sherfield be that one blocking receiver out there. So that's his role on this team. They don't ask him to catch a lot. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem. If you go back to last season, um, and let me just bring up the stats here quickly, and I'll, I'll let you jump in here in a second, but I think this is an important part. He's not a big part of the passing game for the Bills. Like, he's just not. On the season, he has 18 targets, and he's only caught eight. And I, I think he's got a couple of drops in there, right? Last year, he had 51 targets in that Miami offense. He was the number third option in that offense. With this one, he's the fourth as a receiver or as a pass catcher. You can make an argument that he's a sixth behind Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, and James Cook. And I just don't know if the usage has been there where he's ever gotten comfortable. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. And then Deontay Hardy, he's not being used as it is. So no. to bring Shorter into this mix, I just I don't know if there's any role for him in the offense this season. There's no role for him, and this is not something where during the summer at training camp he outperformed 
Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. And it's like, well, once he's healthy, you should get the opportunity. He, he's a rookie. He looked like a rookie a lot during training camp. Let him have this red shirt season. Let him compete again next summer. Have a full off season to train, work on his game, work on uh, whatever it is that the coaching staff tells him specifically to work on. And then I think he'll have a shot to kind of maybe assume one of those roles. But Trent Sherfield, like you said, the workload hasn't been there as a receiver, but he's been great as a blocker. Unfortunately, we, you know, I don't want to say we joked, but during the, the game last week against the Patriots, they put Hardy out there for a play or two. Then they put him on the sideline. We kind of looked at each other and said, well, there's his usage for the game on offense. Um, it's really it's, it's really strange. It I is. can't really put my finger on on their view of Hardy. And that's something that we got to, I think, try to figure out here over the next week or so. Yeah. And, you know, you want to say, well, these guys haven't made an impact. Well, opportunities have been extremely limited, especially in the case of Hardy for that matter. Um, but specifically, you know, Ju- Justin Shorter, I think year two, better opportunity for him to get on the field and work his in terms of having a role in this offense. And I, I did remember what we wanted to talk about, Matt. Um, Javon Holland. And, and Ooh, uh, yes, I'm glad yes, you brought that today. up. Well, a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of bulletin board material. I, I don't know if the Bills would consider it that way, but they asked him about uh, the week four matchup against the Bills. And at first he opened up joking, what do we have to do better? Well, we have to win the game. And you know, that's all fine and well. But then he kind of, di- I don't want to say, well, I guess he did discredit the Bills offense. He kind of said, um, we were we were still learning Vic Fangio's defense at that point in time. They didn't do anything crazy. The, I'll give you the actual quote. Uh, last game was just early in the season. So still trying to figure out the defense. It wasn't anything too crazy, that being the Bills offense. We've moved past it and fixed what we needed to, so I'm looking forward to playing them again. You know, you can say that you were learning the the defense, but you're coming off of a game where you just gave up 56 points to the Baltimore Ravens, so (laughs) I don't know if that excuse really holds up all too well uh, because you shouldn't still be learning this defense in Week 17. I think just like the Ravens, the Bills came out and they simply outperformed you on the field and late in the game they were able to just kind of beat you up and keep take you out of the game on both sides of the ball it's, it's such an interesting way to answer the question listen they're a proud defense they're a proud team javon Holland's a really good player yeah um and so i i get that piece of it but like the history shows that this dolphins defense no matter if it's vic fangio or anybody else to your point is which is a great one you're coming off 56 to the ravens they weren't averaging 40 a game. I mean, this is a good, good offense, but the, the, the dam broke uh, for that offense when they faced the Miami Dolphins defense. But, you know, go back to some of these matchups. I mean, the Bills are a, around 30, like just under or over 30 in almost every matchup against the Dolphins. You go back over the, the Josh Allen era, you know, uh, 48 the last one. They scored um, 34 in the playoff game. 32 in the in the game in Orchard Park last year. 19 in the heat. And the only reason I think they were held to 19 was because I think they lost half their team during that game. They really scored did. 26 in October of 21. Then it was 35 nothing, 56-26, 31-28, 37-20. I mean, the Bills live in the 30s against the Dolphins. So just silliness and Listen, this is a Bills offense that's been struggling to find its identity over the last couple of weeks. So if it is an offense that's ever primed for the picking for this Dolphins defense, even though that they're super banged up, this would be the time because, you know, they're not 
you know, they, they, what did they score a couple weeks ago against the uh, Chargers? What was the final score of that game? Yeah, no, I know, I know, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I agree with you completely there. So, you know, it's just 24, some 24 they had. 20, yeah. So it's just, you know, a talking point. It was just something that he said and maybe didn't mean anything by it. But um, like you said, the Bills have had so much success over the years against Miami. I just don't think you want to write that off as a, well, we were getting used to this defense. There's been a lot of talent on this uh, Miami defense over the years, too. This isn't just like they've been, you know, uh, without talent. They've had a ton of guys over the years. It's just that Josh Allen and company have just always seemed to have their number. Um, somebody in the comments says, struggling to find identity again. How does that happen multiple times in a season? Find it, you lose it. You find it, you lose it. I, I get it. It's got to be frustrating <laughs> from a fan perspective. But I really do think some – and we'll see in the playoffs, you know, if they get there. And I do think that they're going to win this weekend. We'll get more into that on Friday. But when they get there, I think – the objective this year was just to be as, you know, different as they could be at different stages of the season so that teams struggle to prepare for their offense. And right now, if you're playing the Bills, it's got to be a little bit of a funny, tricky deal trying to figure out what kind of team you're going to get offensively. And that's probably a good thing for once the games really start to count. And, you know, Deion Dawkins talking to him today, Ryan, like, they live for this time of the year. Like, you know, he said when, when other te- when other teams are planning their vacations and their uh, offensive line group trips, like this team wants to be playing meaningful football when everybody's watching, they want to be in the field. And that's a mindset this time of year. And, you know, they've, they've, they've shown it at times in the playoffs. And, you know, you wonder now with how healthy they are on offense. And if you're a Bills fan, you're telling me to knock on wood after saying something like that before a game like this. You know, you think having all their pieces – going into the playoffs that they're in a good spot to kind of go on a run. They got to get in. Yeah. Yeah, Got to get in first, but if they do, I can't remember a year where the AFC has maybe been more wide open and that's not to disrespect the Ravens. I think the Ravens might end up being the team that represents the AFC in the Super Bowl, but this is not the same chiefs team that we've seen over the last few years. The Bengals don't even get in because of injuries to Joe Burrow and their slow start. Um, you look at some of the teams that are likely going to sneak in and they don't necessarily put much of a scare into you. So if the Bills can get in, whether it's as the two seed or as the six or the seven, I, I really do think that they can make some noise and make quite the run. All right. Speaking of making quite the run, I'm going to run up to Imperial Pizza tomorrow. Uh, you can find that on Abbott Road in Lackawanna. I will be live from Imperial Pizza on the Talking Buffalo podcast. Congratulations to our good friend, Patrick Moran, on episode number 700. Wish Ryan could be out there for it, but uh, obviously uh, it's a tough ask on a weekday night. So I will be out there joining him. Come out to Imperial. Hang out with us for a little bit. We'll be talking bills. We'll be eating pizza. We'll be eating wings. It's great. Uh, My wife's going to come out. Uh, It'll be a great time. And then also we are, as always, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets right here on Shout. Get the Tops Markets mobile app today. Download, uh, get the most out of your shopping experience. Check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand. Select your preferred store, browse and shop the weekly ad, or by specific department. Easily locate products at your preferred store with a built-in aisle directory. Enjoy contactless shopping with Tops grocery pickup or delivery services, and even clip digital coupons directly to your Tops bonus plus card. 
easily reorder your favorite items from previous purchases and view additional product details, nutrition facts, and package images. Check out topsmarkets.com slash mobile app for more information. Ryan, we got two more this week. Then I'll be down heading down to Miami. It is Bills versus Dolphins, AFC East on the line. Cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Thank you so much for watching. Like and subscribe on YouTube. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everybody.